Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Our lead pastor, Bud, uh, and his wife are enjoying a, a weekend off, and, and so um, I will be sharing the message with you this morning. And if you've, if you've been here for a while, and um, sometimes when I do a message, I will have some little trinket that you take home with you uh, to sort of remind you of the message. And when I don't have said trinket, I hear about it, quite often in the lobby afterward. Where's my prize? I want my prize. I'm like, people have gotten used to that, and, and so sometimes it just doesn't fit, and, and sometimes it, it fits really well. So I actually have a, a takeaway for you to, to kind of um, keep. And it is October, uh, Halloween's the end of the month, so um, it, it's actually candy today. Um, the downside of that is you're not to eat it. I know, I know. Those are two totally polar opposite things. They don't go together. They don't fit in. Um, so I've already disappointed you once today, but um, we're going to have, um, there's going to be a bucket that goes down there and through the middle and down there. Um, and if you will take one, you can go ahead and, and, and get those started. If you would take one, and because you don't get to eat it, you don't have to go through and pick your favorite flavor. Okay, these are um, little mini Tootsie Pops. And um, always, I am disappointed when I go to the bank. And I get up, and I do my transaction. I go to get my sucker, and there's a whole basket full of green. Why don't people like the green ones? And I wish you all would take the green ones and leave some of the other colored ones for me, because I always end up with just green. So um, it doesn't matter what flavor, because you don't get to eat it. So if you will just take one of those, and, and uh, it will make sense to you, I hope in just a few minutes. So those are, as those are kind of going around, make sure uh, everybody gets one. But I am going to just um, do a cannonball with you into the deep end of the water. Instead of us putting our toe in and just kind of, just kind of getting used to stuff, we're just going to, we're just going to dive right in. And so we're going to talk about sin. Now some of you are going, I picked this Sunday to come? Really? We got candy we can't eat, and now she's going to talk about sin. This is just not, this is not the day I, this is not the day I was counting on. We're, all, we're going to talk about it for just a minute. And, and what I love is, I, I love words, and I, and I love to find out meanings behind them. So the word sin actually comes from a Greek word. If you want to, you know, have a deep meaning of things in the Bible, you can do for New Testament Greek and for Old Testament Hebrew, and find out what the words really meant, because there's some interesting things behind it. So the Greek word for sin is hamartia. And hamartia, and that, that, that doesn't really matter. Um, but it comes from a root word called hamartarno. And hamartarno was actually a word used by archers. And it meant that uh, they missed the mark. So, so put all that together and sort of the definition of sin is missing the mark. In other words, we're, we're shooting for something and our sin causes us to somehow miss the target, right? Um, and, and there's always consequences to that. Now, um, I think that over 
in the modern church, I think we have, we have taught wrong. And we have spent a lot of time, when I say we, I don't mean harvest, uh, I mean we as in all Christian churches, that what we have focused on is missing the mark. We have focused on sin, and a lot of times, some of you may have grown up or even, even come out of uh, the kind of church where your expectation is that you walk in that church and you expect the pastor to yell at you and you expect to hear things about how you have missed the mark and you just blew it again and you're a terrible person and you better get it together and God is disappointed with you and you know it's a good church day if you leave the church house feeling miserable, right? That's kind of, that's kind of been the way that we have taught. Now, there's a problem with that. Now, and, and I don't want anybody here to think that I am not going to talk about sin in our lives because, be, because we, we do. We have to. There is sin in our lives. But here's the problem. When, when we just hammer down on sin all the time, we put our focus on ourselves. What am I not doing right? I've disappointed God again. I need to do better to change my behavior, and that's all we ever think about. I just need to act better. I just need to stop saying this stuff. I need to stop thinking this way. I need to stop doing this or doing that. And we never feel peace. We never feel joy. We never feel any of those things. And we also never think about God. Because we've decided if our focus is on sin, then we've decided that God is a mean God and all we do is disappoint him. And so it's like we can't even approach him. Because we've just screwed up, and we just, we just can't do that. We keep missing the mark, missing the mark. And so that's where your little giveaway, what I want you to remember is, Satan loves it that the church has focused on that kind of a message. And I think as long as we stay focused on that, he says, you are a sucker. And I want you to keep that because I want you to remember that the, he's playing us. Because if we can come in to, to, to God's house and we can just be like, I shouldn't even be here. Or some people don't even come because they feel like they're missing the mark so bad. I don't deserve to be in the house today. And we focus on that and all we think about is that we're not doing good. And he loves that. Because we never get to the right solution. We never look towards God. It's always about, man, I've, I did this again, and I, 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 and I'm not good enough for him, and I'm, I can't tell anybody, I can't tell the rest of those people what's really going on in my heart and my life because they would be like, they'd kick me out, and they'd think I was a disaster, and we keep it on that, and Satan's going, suckers. That's what I want you to think about because I don't want you to know the truth of how you're really going to find freedom from the sin in your life. I'm telling you, if you just focus on your behavior and yourself and, and sin, you are never going to really get free of it. Like right now, I'm, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm just going to do this little experiment. Everybody in this room, no matter what you do, do not think of a giraffe. Do, don't do it. How many people, raise your hand, how many people have got some kind of whatever your image is of a giraffe in your head, right? If I tell you not to do something, that's all you're going to think about. If you think about, I'm just sinner, sinner, missing the mark, miss, that's all you're thinking about. 
God's not even in that mix. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put that down now. And I want you to keep that sucker somewhere. Because he's playing us. And we are going to take our eyes off of ourselves and our shortcomings and our missing the mark. And we're going to put them on who they belong on. That's God Almighty. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we do. So how do we, how do we shift from that big focus on, oh, I'm a terrible person and uh, you know, God would be so disappointed. I'm going to hide this part of me away from him. How do we do that? We abide. That's a simple answer. That's always the answer. We stay close. Now, if you've been here, Bud, not that long ago, just finished a sermon series where he talked at length about John 15, the vine and the branches. That we are, if we abide in him and he in us, that's the answer to everything we need. Well, I'm going to totally agree with him. But Bud did it his way, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell it a different way. So I'm actually going to talk about a, different, a little different idea. And so um, those of you that, that don't know, um, some of you have never been um, done anything. You're not bow hunters or you, don't, you never played cowboys and Indians, I don't know, growing up. Um, this, the container of the arrows, is called a quiver. And these are obviously called arrows. No, no special word for that. But the quiver and the arrows. And, and so that's what we're going to kind of hone in on, and I hope that makes sense to you about why we need to change our focus from how bad we are to how good God is, and then all that sin starts to move out of our lives. And so I am going to um, I'm gonna pick up a, a, a... I love imagery. I love um, when, when there's something that kind of reminds you of something else. Uh, analogy, metaphor, whatever you want to call it. So um, I'm, I pulled the scripture from my favorite book of the Bible is, is Isaiah. Uh, it's just so much really, really good stuff. And um, all the verses that we're going to use today will be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But if you like to, if you like to flip um, or, or do that on your screen, whatever, you can't, it's not always flipping pages anymore, right? Sometimes it's... And we're going to look at Isaiah 49, verses 2 and 3. So I want you to, I, I want you to uh, listen to these words, starting in verse 2. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. So there's a couple things I want to tell you about those verses. And anytime you read a reference to Israel, okay, it, you could, over the top in, in your Bible, you could, every time it says Israel, you could also add your name. Because, of course, in the Old Testament, they were talking about the nation of Israel. But now, because of Jesus, all of us that are believers are really his chosen people. So he's talking to us that we are going to be a display of his splendor, but not yet. Because in, in these verses, we are the polished arrows. Okay, and who is the archer then? God is the archer. And he carries his quiver. Now, now this one, I wanted to find one of those because I had it in my head. I had just watched um, uh, Wonder Woman again and that, the beginning of the battle where they're like, 
you know, and they have the big, th the quivers on their backs, and they're like flying through the air, and I was like, I can't pull that off, so I'm not even going to, not even going to try it. I wouldn't even wear the little outfits they wore. I was like, I, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. But this one is, so I couldn't find one like that, because I wanted to wear it on my back the whole time and be like, whew, whew, right? You like that? You like my sound effects? You yeah, have good ones. You should hear my gun one. Pew, 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 pew. That's my gun one. So this one is actually, this is, this is real. I, I, I got this at um, uh, one of the sporting goods store. And this is a hip quiver. So, so somebody that is a bow hunter would actually wear that probably on the loop of, of pants and have the arrows right here. So that's, that's the rich imagery that we're going to think of in all of this. We are the arrows. We stay in the quiver, which is the part where we abide. We stay very close. Wherever the archer goes, wherever God goes, we go. This is our job, is to just stay in the quiver. And you're like, that's it? That's all we have to do is just, is just sit there in the quiver. Well, let me tell you, if you think that that's a very passive thing to do, is stay close to God, that's some of the hardest work you're ever going to do to constantly be turning your attention back to him, to have your thoughts held captive by him, your actions to be held captive by him, to turn towards him, to stay close to him in all things, that's a lot of work. So it's not just, oh, we just ride around in this thing all day and we don't do anything. We stay close to him and let him do the work. So how I'm going to tell you about that is we're going we're gonna to imagine now these, of course, I bought in a sporting goods store, and that's how you would probably get an arrow now but in the whatever the olden days are I'm just going to say the olden days in the olden days when arrows when they had to make their own arrows there's a four-step process and I know that those of you that are note takers because as soon as I hear the word four-step something I'm like oh goody because I can go one two three four I'm ready to, to take my notes and and so that's where we're going to go because we are the arrows so we are we are God's chosen people and we're to stay close to Jesus to sit there, but is nothing going on? No, there's a whole lot going on. Because it says we will be a display of his splendor when we become polished arrows. And we're not there yet. We're all in some, one of these stages, we're all in those. So this is the process where they would um, make an arrow back in the day. So um, step number one in making an arrow, uh, an archer or the archer, would, you know, have a good eye for seeing branches that, that look pretty straight to begin with. And, and so they will pick up one of those pieces of, at that point, dead wood. And the first step is the pruning. The pruning. Now, the pruning would be where they, um, whatever obvious imperfections are there have to be removed. So there would probably be little branches and leaves and stuff all over that stick that would have to be torn away. And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of my mom is a really good gardener, uh, and I am not. And she lives really far away, so we have to have phone calls about my gardening skills. And a, a few years ago, I planted tomatoes. And those of you that grow tomatoes, will this will be very familiar to you. But I was like, Mom, my plants look awesome. They're, they're huge. But there's like three tomatoes on the whole thing. It's huge, and there's like three tomatoes. And she said, 
And I said, why is that? And she said, have you, um, have you pulled the suckers off? And I was like, okay, different, different, not these, not these suckers. Okay, uh, and I was like, what are you talking about? So she's trying to explain it over the phone. And, and on a tomato plant, there'll be the, the main branches. But then in the V, where, where new ones start, there'll be these little suckers that start to grow. And they are never going to produce fruit, ever. But what they'll do is they'll steal the nutrients from the main branches and they will prevent fruit from being produced. So you gotta, when you see those, they're all over the tomatoes, you gotta pinch the suckers off. So there's, there's that. Put, that. put that in your pipes and smoke it. Uh, that, in today's day and time, that's probably not a good. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not even gonna try to give a different one either. I will. <laughs> We'll just forget that. So um, we're going to look at scripture for each of these. So the first step would be the pruning. And, and you know in your own life that there may be some major imperfections. When you first come to Christ, there's, there's some major things that have to be done. Some major work. It, it, it has held you back things your whole life long. But what I'm saying is God wants to do that work. If you stay close to him, those things are going to happen. So the first scripture we're going to look at, and, and this is actually going to come from um, the passage, John 15, that, that Bud had, you know, preached such, a, such good sermons on. And we're going to actually look at uh, 15, just verse 2. And it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. So who, who's going to do the work? He, and he is the archer, and he is the Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are going to remove the imperfections. Because I'll tell you what, if you stay close to the Lord, if you sit in that quiver, and you're just like, I'm going to abide no matter what. I'm going to stay close to him. I'm going I'm to turn my thoughts to him, and I'm going to stay right there. You can't help but letting those things be cut away in your life. Unless... You tell him, no, I'm not ready. Now, he'll do that because there's really, when I say abide, there's another action that has to happen. You've got to yield. Because God will say, I need to prune something out of your life. And it, it is, it, it is a, it, we can't even go any further until I get that out of the way. And you're like, mm, that might hurt. And he's like, it might. But he won't do it until you say, go ahead. So as, as we're sitting in the quiver, and there, we may know that there's some things in our lives, and we're like, I know this is getting in the way. I know it, I know it, I know it. Maybe a thought, maybe an action, maybe, maybe some unforgiveness, maybe a fear, maybe I don't know what. But you're like, mm-mm. And so you'll sit in that quiver, stay close to him, stay close to him, and eventually, being in his presence, you're going to say, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. So pruning is the first step. All those big pieces knocked off. Well, there's, there's still three more steps. So the second step is called the sanding. And the sanding is, so, so the archer has pulled off all the big pieces, but the sanding is you've got to get rid of the subtle imperfections. Maybe on the outside the arrow looks pretty good, like it's ready to roll, but it's not ready. 
because there's subtle imperfections. And this is where it gets hard for us because we're like, I've worked on the big stuff. I knew what my life was like. I used to be a rascal, and now I'm not a rascal anymore, so I'm, I'm ready to... I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm ready to go. Okay, rascal is the pruning. Sanding is hard. Because we got to look inside, and we got to go, I don't have it all together. There's still work to be done. Those subtle imperfections, he's got to sand those away, and, and, and that can hurt too. That can hurt too. And so we're going to look at, for this one, we're gonna, the rest of them are all going to be uh, in the Gospel of John, but for this one, we're going to flip over to the book of Colossians uh, just, for, just for this particular one about the sanding. And we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Now, this is a packed passage of Scripture. I, I'm hesitant sometimes to read a big old passage like this and not be able to spend days and weeks and months breaking it down into little details. I mean, Bud has been teaching, like, last spring he started teaching Ephesians. He, is he out of, guys, is he out of chapter one yet? Is he still in chapter one? Barely out of chapter one? I mean, he's, he's doing that with the guys. I mean, you could spend forever with this stuff, so I'm hesitant to throw out a big passage and not be able to break down every bit of it. But I think you'll get the idea in, in the sanding process. So we're going to look at Colossians 3, starting at verse 1 and go through verse 14. So it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now let me, let me stop right there for a second. Because again, you may think, okay, I'm going to get bored sitting in that quiver all day. I need to do something. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to work at staying close to God. What else can I do? You can do what it just said in those, in those two verses right there. Because in verse 1, it says, set your hearts on things above. And in verse 2, it says, set your minds on things above. That means you decide. I'm going to set. I am deciding to put my heart on the things of God. I'm going to put my mind on the things of God. Now, if you, get, if you get the notion in your head, I've already done that. I can, I'm on to step three. I know I'm on to number three already. No, because setting your heart and setting your mind is not a one-time thing. You've got to do it every day. And if you're anything like me, you've got to do it all day long. In other words, if you don't decide, I'm going to stay close. I'm, I'm going to, no, I don't want that thought to be there. I'm going to set my mind. No, I don't want that feeling to be there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it. It will be set for you if you don't set it. And so I know that some of you have a schedule that is just like, I mean, you, your alarm clock goes, the second it goes off, you are, are flying. You've got kids to get ready for school, and you've got to get to your job, and you've got to clean this, and you've got to go buy this, and you've got to do that. And you think your schedule is so busy that you don't, I don't have time to stop and set, reset. Yes, you do. You can take 10 seconds. Mamas, whatever's going on with your little ones, you can take, and you better be taking 10 seconds and go, okay, my mind is not set, and my heart is not set on things above. You may be like down the end of the hall, that person that, that you uh, work with that you're just like, they're coming towards you, and you're going towards them, and you're like, 
you can take 10 seconds and, and set your mind and set your heart. Okay, if you work in a, I don't even want to hear it. If you work in a little cubicle and you're like, I got nowhere to go. Put your head down on your desk. Do it fast before your boss comes and says you're sleeping on the job. But go ahead. Put your head down for 10 seconds and decide, I got to do a reset right here. And all day long, if you got to do it every 10 minutes, then do it every 10 minutes until it just becomes habit to go, wait a minute. Because you can do those kinds of resets, okay? You can decide, I've got to reset my heart and reset my mind on the things above. If you don't, if you wait, you will find yourself all of a sudden out in left field with who knows what going on in your life because you just let it go and you didn't choose to reset. And that's when you'll end up coming to see me because you don't know how to get out of whatever you got yourself into. You've got to do that all day long, and so that you can do that while you're in the quiver. In fact, you must do that while you're in the quiver, okay? So let's go on with the, with the reading of that. That was just extra, extra. Verse 3, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Sanding, sanding, sanding. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Sanding, sanding, sanding. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now I told you that was a, that was a big old chunk of verses. And it kind of sounds like what I was talking about in the beginning. Well, we've got to get rid of all these behaviors. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. No. He does that work. By you staying close to him. Staying so close in all things. Now, if you, were to, if you were to draw like a pie chart and you were to put all the things, the different parts of your life, you know, I got work over here and I got this over here, and, and we would tend to think, well, you know, God gets this chunk over here. And I'm doing good because all the time, it, he used to only get 25%. Now I'm up to like 30%. So he gets this chunk over here. This isn't how this works. When you abide, when you stay in that quiver, instead of giving him a chunk of your life, he wants to be the crust over the whole pie chart. In other words, he wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. You can have a social life that God wants to be a part of. You can go to work that God wants to be a part of. 
You can be a part of, I don't know, some volunteer group. He wants to be a part of that. You can have some, I don't know, whatever it is that you do. Um, he wants to be a part of all of it. He doesn't want a chunk of your life, and then you say, oh, okay, I gave you my, you know, it, it's, uh, it's 9 a.m., and I gave you 25% of my day, and now I'm moving on. Amen, which means I'm done for the day, right? And then we move on with our other stuff. He wants to be over all of it. You guys like pie? I love pie. My favorite part is, is crust. Like, I'll make sure I kind of scoop off from whoever the next slice is. I kind of take a little extra of their crust. It's, probably, it's usually Ryan. Um, but I, I like the crust. Can you imagine getting a pie? You, you bake one or you buy one, and there's crust over one section, and the rest of it has none. Doesn't work like that, does it? Jesus wants to be infused in every part of your life. And so he will do those things. He will sand down those things. And here's the thing. Because in here, because this is a chunk, right, that we give Jesus. Well, I came to church Sunday morning, and then I did my quiet time. And I was pretty good during those. I, I set my heart and I set my mind. But then we go on to the next thing. We don't set our minds, and we don't set our hearts. Well, he wants to sand in those areas too. And if you, there should be no area, listen to this, there should be no area in your life that you go, God, you can have full reign in my life except that little closet over there. I got some stuff in that closet, some baggage and, and, and you know, dirty laundry and whatever, and don't go near there. In fact, I'm going to take the door off and I'm going to put up a piece of sheetrock and, and paint over it and put something in front of it so you won't even know there's a closet there because don't go over there. If there is one of those areas in your life that Jesus is not invited into, then you go back to step one with the pruning because there's something in there that he needs to clean out. Okay? There's some area that he wants to clean out. And if there's areas of your life where you're like, I'm, I would be ashamed for Jesus to be there, guess what? He's already there. You know that, right? He's seeing everything you're doing. He knows every thought that you're thinking. But he won't work on them until you say, here, sand this area of my life. Be in every area of my life. And he will do that for you. Now, there's two more. There's two more um, uh, parts to make an arrow. So number three is called the fletching. The fletching. And, and that is where the, the feathers are put on the end of the arrow. And the reason those have to be done very carefully and they're super important is the arrow will not, it needs balance and stability to fly straight and hit the mark. And it's not going to do that without the fletching. Okay? It's, it's just going to veer off. You'll never see an arrow without feathers on it because it's going to veer off in its own direction if you do that. Now, I've got a verse for that, so we're going to jump back uh, to the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at chapter 16, verse 13. Chapter 16, verse 13, this goes with the fletching, giving us stability and balance. It says, but when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. 
Now, on the, on the words up there, see, they're always in white on a black background, so you can't tell. But if you were looking in a, in a regular Bible, these are red words, which means Jesus is speaking them. So he's not talking about himself here. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And so this is how we have balance and stability in our life. And I want you to, to really be able to understand what this means. You don't have to try to get the Holy Spirit if you're a born-again believer, okay? You don't have to be like, oh, my behavior needs to be good. I need to change this because I want to get the Holy Spirit or I want to get more of the Holy Spirit. Okay, at the moment you had a salvation experience, if you have, you, you were confessed your sins, were born again, whatever terminology you want to use, at that moment there was so much going on in the spiritual realm. If we could peel that back and look, you'd be like, whoa, look at all this stuff happening. But at that moment, the fullness of the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of you and has not left and will never leave as long as you're on the earth. Now, the Holy Spirit's not talked about all that much, okay? We get the image of Father. We get the image of Son. But the Holy Spirit, that's that weird, you know, Holy Ghost. I'm like, oh, that's that weird part, right, where all the weird stuff happens. If you're, like, in the Spirit, oh, we're going to be, I, I don't know what y'all think. Okay, this is who Jesus sent, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three parts, all God, but very distinct. And the fullness, all of him, all of him, came inside and lives inside of you. This is one reason where, why we don't... People can come in here, you guys can wear your hats, you can drink coffee in here, you can wear what you want to wear. This is a room, okay? We've always been like, oh, this is the sanctuary. We, we must be, I don't know sanctuary <laughs> we we must be something no this is not holy th this is not a sacred space we no longer need a temple for god to come in because god is inside of you in his fullness and you're like well wait a minute if god is inside of me in my fullness why am i still thinking some of the things i'm thinking and needing to reset my mind and everything because here's the process again you got to stay close you've got to yield yourself to that power you got to say, I want less of me and more of you. I want my thoughts to be your thought. Let me tell you, he'll talk to you. He will guide and direct your thoughts, your steps, who you should talk to, who you shouldn't talk to, what job you should take, what job you shouldn't take, all of it. That's the spirit of truth. That is our balance and our stability. But you've got to decide again, God, I'm just going to stay close to you. You do all the work you want in me. And yes, Holy Spirit, recreate me from the inside out not the outside in the inside out there's one more step one more step and the final step of the archer making an arrow is the cresting and and evidently each archer i mean i guess they were pew 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 you like that one better pew 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 pew, pew. <laughs> pick the one you like better make up your own arrow sound they would shoot their arrows, and they would want to go and collect them again, I guess, to use again. And so they had to put a mark on them. So the archer knew whose arrows were his. And so part of staying close, close to God, is he's going to mark you with a mark. And here it is. We're going to go back in John, just a, just a, chapter, a couple chapters to John 13, 35. And here's the mark. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We've got to love people. And we can say that all day long. I love people. But we've got to have the ability to say, I love those people who don't think like me. Those people who don't believe like me. Those people who make political rants and raves all over Facebook that drives me nuts. The people that are mean to me, the people that won't forgive me, that's the mark that he's going to put upon us that we would love in that way. And so that's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to abide, stay in his quiver until he polishes his arrows and then guess what? Does this arrow have any power to hit any mark on its own? It is the archer that draws back the bow, and his strength goes into the arrow, and it will hit the mark. But if this arrow is not right, the archer is not ready to use it yet. And then whatever the mark is, it will be hit. But power wants to be transferred from the archer to the arrow when the work is done. So what do we do? We abide. We keep our focus on God, not on our sin and ourselves. Our focus on God and his goodness and his power to change us from the inside out. And when that happens, when he takes us out of the quiver and releases us, we will hit the mark every single time. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.